So if you could turn your Bibles to Matthew 25, we're going to cover verses 1 through 13. So it's a, it's a parable that Jesus uh, told. And so, you know, Jesus was telling these parables, and there's quite a few of them about, you know, the, the, to, to pay attention, you know, to pay attention that uh, the master of the house is going to return. You know, the, in, in the end of 24, he talks about that. And so the, these, these uh, topics, I, I found that Jesus talks about them uh, uh, quite a bit. You know, he covers this story in, in Mark, and then he covers similar stories about his return. And uh, if you know the Bible, there's more uh, prophecies about his return than there are about the first time he came. So we who believe in Jesus Christ, you know, we believe that Jesus is going to come back to get us, to get his people, his church. And so I find it interesting, you know, that, that I talk to so many people through the years. I've, I've been a, a student of prophecy for a long time. And so back, back then, people didn't believe. They thought I was a little off the wall. And today, I think a lot of people I talk to, uh, even Christians, non-Christians, uh, they tell me, uh, well, you know, the Bible's been saying that. So we're going to cover these, these verses. The Lord put it on my heart to talk about these things. And it, and it kind of fits what's going on in our society and uh, in the church today. So uh, we'll cover verse 1 first. It says, And then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So here we have the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins. So what is it? What is it? You know, a lot of times Jesus spoke in these parables they didn't understand. And, and perhaps maybe you don't understand. You know, what has this got to do with anything? Well, in many places in the Bible, you know, it talks about Jesus being the groom and the church being the bride. And so back, backing up a little bit, you know, that uh, is, is the church ready? You know, is the church ready? Like I, like I was saying, you know, I talk to people. I've been talking to people. When, when all these things are going on, that's the first thing I'm thinking about, the return of Jesus Christ. So the people that I talk to, you know, whether they know it or not, they give me a Bible answer. They give me a biblical answer. They don't quote the scripture, but this is what they're saying. You know, it's interesting that it's written down for us, what they're saying. So in Second in Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says, uh, 3 and 4, it says, Knowing this first, that the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You know, and, and they, so they don't know they're answering through the scriptures, but that's what they're saying. People tell me they've been saying that for a long time. You know, you know, and it's true that Jesus said nobody knows. Nobody knows the hour, the day, but he did say to pay attention to the signs. But regardless, this parable is about being ready, being ready or not being ready. So the question, are you ready? Are you ready? You know, if Jesus came today, you know, so 
I think we, we need to answer that question in ourselves, you know. And so this, this parable is about some that were ready and some that weren't ready. And, and this is what's going on in the church today. You know, uh, some definitely are not ready. We have uh, a div divided country and a divided church, you know. And so uh, how, how do we know, you know, that we're on the correct, proper way, the, the, the narrow road? We know by the word of God. We know by God's word. So if you go somewhere and they're not teaching you the word of God, then that's a clue, right? You know, so we got to know that, you know, God could come at any moment. You know, we're going to cover some verses about that. So he uses the, the, the wedding analogy because, um, you know, he uses, you, you might be wondering why he uses the number 10. Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. One, it divides down the middle, five and five. And then the other one is, you know, the, this was a, a tradition that uh, the Jews had, that it would be 10 bridesmaids. You know, that was the common thing. So they, they were, that was the number that was common, 10, okay? So that's why he uses the number 10. So, you know, there was a, the, 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 the way they did business then for marriages was your, your fathers would, would uh, make the engagement, you know? And they, they could be engaged for a whole year. And then, uh, then there would be the betrothal, you know, that would be the agreement by the persons who are getting married, and then the promises, you know, that, that are made when the marriage takes place. Kind of, kind of like, you know, the promise that was made to Abraham, that through his seed, the promise would come, the Savior would come, you know, and then, you know, the agreement that was made with us as individuals, that we accepted Jesus Christ as the bride, I mean, as the groom, and we are the bride. We're the, for men, it may not sound too good, but we're the bride of Christ. That's uh, biblical. It's in the Bible. I have some examples here. Who is the bride? The church. The bridegroom is the Lord himself. And so in Isaiah 62, verse 5, it says, For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you as and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. There's a lot of examples in the Bible. And so I just picked a couple of them. Matthew 9.15, it says, Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So this was when Jesus was telling them, that he was announcing, I am the bride, I'm sorry, I am the groom, and I'm here with you. Because they were asking about fasting. And he, they don't, you know, when, when Jesus comes back, maybe some of you guys fast. When Jesus comes back, you won't have to fast anymore. When he's in our presence, you know. So this is the two examples that, you know, that are in the Bible. But there's a lot of them where he refers to himself as the groom. And, and, and I wanted to touch a little bit on, on something the Lord showed me when I was doing this. You know, the first appearance of Jesus in public was the, the first miracle. Do you guys know what that is? At, at a wedding. At a wedding, you know, where he turned the water into wine. You know, it, it's interesting, you know. It seems like, like nothing, right? Why, why would he go to a wedding and, and perform this miracle? 
Because he starts off his ministry talking about a wedding. Talking about a wedding. And in the book of Revelation, the, the, the ministry of the, of the Bible ends with another marriage. The marriage supper of the Lamb. That's where he comes back. And there's a big marriage supper for the bride and the groom. So it's significant of what everything that, that this parable is about. And so we're part of that. You know, we gotta, we got to rejoice. You know, all these things going on in the world, and, and it's, it's sad, and, and, and all these things, you could get depressed, and you could get fearful. But in a, another part of us, we should be rejoicing that the day is approaching. The day is getting closer. Every day that goes by, and the more crazy stuff you're going to see, the day is going to get closer. The earth. The world is starting to, the creation is groaning, you know. The, even the, the enemy is, is acting up more. just want us to know that. So in verses 2 to 4, it says, Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish look, took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So they, they, when these lamps, with, they had these lamps because when they didn't know when the groom and his wedding party would come. And so they could come at night, and, and so it could be evening. So they had these lamps ready to light up the place where they were going to be for the groom and the wedding party. That's what this, that's what this was about. And so then, you know, uh, it talks about here that, uh, though, that five of them were wise and five were foolish. What I want to point out is that when the Bible calls someone foolish, what it means is that you should know better, that you're supposed to know better. You're supposed to know. How could they not know that they needed this oil to light their lamps, right? So then the, the significance of the oil is the Holy Spirit for us, the believers, the Spirit of the living God. So, you know, it is of the utter, the highest importance, the Spirit of the Lord. You know, the, the Spirit of the Lord comes to dwell in us when we accept the Lord, but then we have an op option. You can walk in the flesh or walk in the Spirit. So if you're walking in the flesh, then you're going to get flesh results. If you walk in the Spirit, you're going to get spiritual results. So this, you know, it, it is the Spirit of God that, that is everything in our lives, that opens up the Word of God, that uh, does so many things. One of the, the, the big things it does in your life, it brings conviction. You know, so, so you see what's going on in, in the world. You see the, the churches that... They don't teach the word. They don't teach the full counsel of God. So how, how are they figuring all this out? Because they have decided that they would lead themselves instead of the Spirit of the Lord leading them. You see, that's what has happened. And pretty soon, there is no God. There is no God in the church, in that part of the church. So these five foolish ones represent that. They represent that to, in today's world. In, in the church of Laodicea, well, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. 
So the church of Laodicea is the last church in the book of Revelation, which is the church of today that you see where it's politically correct and uh, the Spirit of God is not in there. Um, in, in some cases, you wouldn't even recognize that it is a church. And so uh, what I'll point out about when Jesus talks about that church, that he says uh, that he's standing at the door knocking. So what that tells me is that he's not in that church. But in his long-suffering and love for the people, he's still standing there knocking, you see. But this is where they got to open up the church. They got to open up the door so Jesus can come in. So you can have, like these five virgins, these five who were foolish, who didn't have this, the oil symbolizing the Spirit of God, you can have a church without the Spirit of God, without God in it, in the church. So Jesus is knocking because he's outside. So I wonder, you know, if we could call ourselves Christians and Jesus might be knocking on our door. You know, because we want to do what we want to do and we put them outside. You know, because we know what we're doing is not right. You see, it applies to us as individuals and collectively. So I want to read a couple of verses. Well, a verse from Judges, and it's it's in there a, few, a couple of times. It says, in Judges seventeen six, it says, and in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes, which is what these five represent, you know. And so, but for us, we have a king. You see, they didn't have a king in Israel. We have a king. So, we're not supposed to do what we think is right in our own mind, right? We know the word of God, right? So here's a, a, a verse from uh, Revelation chapter 3 about the door that I was telling you about. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So it tells me that Jesus is not in those churches we have to be careful, you know, about, you know, hearing what we want to hear. You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to uh, Timothy in chapter, uh, book number 2, verse 4, 3 and 4. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. So that is what's going on. And so that's what happens when you don't have the spirit of the Lord. And so, you know, the, these five, it's right down the middle. I find that interesting, you know, that we're divided. And right here, it, there's a division right down the middle. And I also, it, it, the Lord brought it to me that, that when on the cross, there was two thieves, one on each side. And down the middle one chose christ and the other one didn't you know and i know that that we all have chosen jesus christ already but the enemy comes in with lies and deception and telling you well no this is over here how you know this, how could all these people be wrong you stick to to the word of god you stick to god's word so we'll go on to verse five 
But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. So when I got to this verse, uh, we understand what it means that, you know, slumber means lazy, uh, not paying attention, slept. We all know what that means. Everybody's got to sleep, right? Who, who's going to stay up w- waiting for, for the groom for 24 hours, 36 hours? So, uh, so we know we got to get some sleep. But what I found interesting is that it says that they all slumbered and slept. So that applies to the ones who had the spirit also. So what it, what it tells me is that we can tend to be lazy. We can tend to, to be lazy about the workmanship that God had prepared for us. You know, uh, everybody's been given the workmanship before the time began, before God laid the foundations of the world. There's a workmanship. And, and I find the calling today greater than before since we started, uh, since this pandemic started. I f- feel the calling more to tell people about Jesus Christ, to tell people about the Lord, tell my family about the Lord, and the, the, the years are closed more than ever before. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to slumber about it, that I'm going to give up. And so we could say, well, you know, they don't hear me. I'm going to give up. No, but I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying that salvation would come to my family Salvation would come to my enemies, even, you know. So, so this is a time to focus on what God has called us to do. And so, but it tells me that you could slumber and you could not do what God called you to do. So, we gotta be right with the Lord, right? So, what what should you be doing instead of slumbering? You should be watching and praying. Jesus said many places, watch and pray. So I have a few verses for us here. So Matthew twenty six forty one it says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So here it talks about if you don't watch and pray, you could enter into temptation. Temptation to do many things, to fall away. You know, I, I think that since we've been closed for a while, there's a temptation for people not to come back. You know? For people, well, they got used to it. You know? Or people not to serve because they got used to not serving. You know? So, in Luke 21, 36, it says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So watch and pray. It talks about the Son of Man, Jesus' return. And, and it talks about that you would escape these things that are coming. You know, these things that are falling upon you and, and falling upon us all. So, you know, watch and pray. So, that, so if, if you don't know what to do, then we watch and pray, right? So, verse 6. Verse 6 says... And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. So here we, we get the, the message that what, what bride comes at midnight, I mean, what bridegroom comes at midnight, you know? 
I mean, I, usually you go to weddings, the, the, the bride is a little late, right? But, but the groom's always on time. But here, the point of, the, of this is that Jesus is going to show up at an unexpected time when you least expect him to come, you know? So, so you got to be ready. So we have some verses to show us that. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, it says, For, your, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And Matthew twenty four forty three it says, But now, but know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. And twenty four fifty, the master of the servant will come on the day when he's not looking for him at an hour that he is not aware of. So let me ask you, are you looking? Are you waiting? Are you praying? Are you watching? Because, you know, it's an obvious thing that he calls it, he calls it out like this, that he comes like a thief in the night. Nobody, nobody knows when the thief is coming, right? Because if he was coming, you'd be ready. You see? So if a robber comes, and you, you would know the day, you'd be ready. How about the king of glory? The king of glory is coming back as he promised to come back. So are we ready? What would you like God to find you doing when he returns? I've thought about this many times. You know, I don't want to be asleep. I don't want to be in sin. I want to be, my desire is to be preaching the gospel to someone and, and just like in the book of Acts chapter 8, when Philip preached to the eunuch and the eunuch got saved and baptized, then it's, a, it's kind of a, a picture of that. He kind of got raptured up to another location. He didn't go to heaven, but that's the picture. And so that's what I want to be doing. I want to be speaking to somebody about Jesus Christ. I don't know if the Lord's going to allow me to do that, but that's my desire, that I would be doing that. And so... You know, we can ask the question, what do you want to be doing? You know, what do you want to do? What does what your heart tell you? So, so like I said earlier, these, these parables, you know, about the master, about the, you know, coming, the coming, the bride, I mean, the groom. You know, there, there, there's many places in this Bible about that, the, the second coming and, and being ready, you know. And so in verses uh, 7 to 9. It says, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for, your, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and, and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. So here, the, the appearance of the, the groom, the bridegroom, at midnight, and they needed the light, you know. God calls us, you know, we know that the Spirit of God is, is signif symbolized by this oil. And so also that we're to have this light, we're to be the light of the world. So if you don't have the Spirit of the Lord working in you, are you being the light that God called you to be? And so that's what this is about. It's, it's for us to be the light of the world, you know.
especially in these dark days, you know. So can people see that you have a light, uh, a spiritual light in you, that they should be able to recognize something or extraordinary or supernatural, you know, the way we are, that, that we might not even have to speak, but they should know that something is different, you know. Something is different, and that the Spirit of God could draw them, the Spirit that is in you. I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you have, you met other Christians that are, uh, you know, born again, and you, they didn't tell you, and you could feel something, at least that happens to me, where I could tell something's going on, and then we start talking, and they're born again Christians. But then there are some who don't have the Spirit, they might say they're Christians, but they look just like the world. We're not supposed to be looking like the world or acting like the world. We're supposed to be different, called out is what the Bible says is the meaning called out of the world. And so here the the five who didn't have the oil asked the other five, you know, can, can you get the Holy Spirit from another person? Can you get salvation from another person? No. I mean... Part of me, part of me would like that to be true, that I could get saved for someone else. But it's a personal relationship. It doesn't work that way. That person has to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. It would be, sometimes I think it would be so easy for, I was just, you know, want, have that heart that other people would be saved, that I say, Lord, maybe I could receive the Lord for them, but it doesn't work that way. You know, the Apostle Paul, in the book of uh, Romans, he says that he would become a curse for his countrymen to be saved. That was his heart. He was willing to go to hell. But even that wouldn't work. Even that wouldn't work. If I died for you, you wouldn't get saved. Jesus is the only blood offering that could pay for your sins. And so, you know, the Bible says, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but through me. And so we have a lot of people, uh, and, you know, who say that, you know, there's a lot of ways to God. I've been hearing that more and more as, as the time goes further and further. I hear that more and more, you know. And so, so then while people believe that, you know, they are right. All roads do lead to God. But it's not what they think you see it says in acts 24 24 15 i i have hope in god which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead both the just and the unjust in revelation 20 and verses 12 13 it says and i saw the dead small and great standing before god and the books were open and another book was open which was a book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books and the sea gave up the dead which were in it the death and hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each according to their works so everybody is going to meet god but you see we who are born again we're not going to be judged. We were judged already when Jesus took our sins for us. So they're right, but it's not, it's a mistake in the way they're thinking about it, you know. So, so the reason I bring it up is because in these days we see a lot of 
churches, people who think that God is okay with them. That God is okay. They, they won't even preach the gospel. They won't even preach the word of God. And, and people like that because it doesn't address their sins, you know. It, there's no conviction in those places. And so, you know, for us, you know, it could be a temptation to go to a place like that, you know. But we got to know that if the word of God is not being taught, which is the spirit of God is the one who does it, then we shouldn't go there. We shouldn't be going there. You know, if they're telling you if something else is the priority, then you shouldn't be going there. So in verses 10 to 12, it says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door, I'm sorry, did I, yeah, eight to ten, uh, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. I'm afraid a lot of people are going to be in this position. I pray that it's not true, but the more we go, the more of the falling away. The Bible talks about a great falling away. It talks about a deception that even the elect could fall into. You know, and we're seeing it. I don't know if you guys pay attention to, to the what's going on in the world. You're seeing it in these days. You're seeing it, you know. And so... So the, these, you know, they had went to go buy the oil, which wasn't going to do it because they needed to have the Spirit of God in them to go into the wedding uh, feast, right? And so people are doing all kinds of things, you know, uh, not paying attention. I've talked to people when I talk about Jesus coming back, and they tell me, uh, well, I don't want him to come back right now. I got some things I got to do. You know, there's that... That story where the, the guy told Jesus, I got to go bury my father. But let me tell you, this, this is a common thing that, that people tell me. But I, I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing that I have to do. I don't have to do anything. There's not one thing I got to do. I want Jesus to come back. You know, he couldn't come back. You know, I understand what the apostles, Apostle Paul said when he said that he was torn between two places. To go, to be with the Lord, or to stay. You know, I understand today what that meant. That I want to go home. I want to go be with the Lord. But I also want to be here. The Apostle Paul said, it is better for me, for, for you, that I stay. You know, so the ministry. So God, when he's finished with the ministry in my life, you know, whether he comes for me or I go to him, there's going to be a time when, you know, when I can't do ministry anymore, when I can't, I'm useless to God down here, I want to go home. I want to go home. But there's nothing that I have to do. I don't have to, like Manny says, go watch the cat. I don't have to do any of that, anything. I'm just waiting upon the Lord. So once, the, the, there's a quote from uh, Spurgeon about this door being closed. And so this is something I learned recently, that there's people who are telling people that you can be saved after you die. You know, I, I, I never heard people say that, but I've heard even pastors talking about this, you know, pastors who, who obviously I don't agree with. So Spurgeon says this. He says, when the door is once shut, 
it will never be open. There are some who dote and dream about an opening of the door after death, but for those who have died impotent, but there is nothing in the scriptures to warrant such an expectation. Any larger hope than that revealed in the word of God is a delusion and a snare. So, you know, it's interesting that I hadn't really heard people, but recently in the last year I've been hearing people talk like this. But Spurgeon was way before this, and they were talking about it then. So this lie has been going around, you know, that there's no urgency, you know. You can get saved after. Or maybe, you know, they could pray you out of purgatory. That's a lie. You got to accept the Lord today. You know, if you're not born again, you know, there is an urgency that sh- you should look at. You know, nobody knows the day, you know. Nobody knows when, you know, they're going to die. There's a few when God tells them, set your house in order, you're going you're gonna to die. There's a few, but nobody knows. You know, most people don't. So, you know, it, it's an important thing it's the highest priority for me to tell people and, and the 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 ears are are more deaf today than ever but i'm not gonna quit trying so here we go to the last verse verse 13 watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming so here you know this whole this the, all these parables they're about a warning about a warning to get right, to, to get yourself right with the Lord. A Christian, if you're not a Christian, to accept the Lord. But this is speaking to the church. Speaking to the church. And right here we see that half of the church, according to the number 10, is not ready and did not go. Did not receive. When the Lord came, they did not enter into the wedding feast. You know, and so we know the story about Noah's Ark. You know. Over a hundred years of preaching, and nobody got in except him and his family. The prophet Jeremiah preached, I don't know how many years, but nobody got saved. I feel like that sometimes, like nobody uh, is paying attention. But, you know, the prophet Jeremiah didn't stop, you know, and we should not stop either. So, so it says right there, you know, uh, verse 13, watch. So what do you watch for? What are you watching for? You know? So so Titus, the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 13, tells you what to watch for. It says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some people, you know, I was talking to a young man a few weeks ago. He's worried about this, all this stuff going on. And I was telling him about receiving the Lord, and he was telling me he, he's, a, he's spiritual, he's this religion or that religion. But I know him. I know him. He doesn't know the Lord. You see? So if he stays in that thought, he's going to be disappointed. Because I was talking to him about the Lord's return. And he, knew, he understood what I was talking about. But he thought he was okay. So a lot of people think they're okay. These five virgins, that the foolish ones, they thought they were okay. They thought they were okay, but they found the door closed. And so, 
some verses I want to share with you, you know, that are related to, to 13, well, to the whole thing. And so the, this is a, interesting verses that, that uh, Jehovah's Witnesses have used on me, you know. They've used them on me, and, and so they're interesting because that's how blind people are. They know the word to some degree, but they, they don't know the context, you know. So the reason they use these on me is because they ask me, do you believe Jesus is God? And they, they almost behave like Pharisees, wanted to tear their clothes. They, they have some kind of like an anger about that. And so the man has quoted these verses a couple of times. And so they're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, and I'll read them. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so... A lot of people think they're okay. And this is speaking in, in chapter 7. It's speaking about people who are doing God's work. They're, they're doing work, you know, they're, they're doing wonders and, you know, casting out demons. But Jesus says, I never knew you. So what's wrong? You know, they were doing it for their own. Their, the, God knows the motives, right? It's a, it's a pretty strong statement that I never knew you. There's another statement, you know, that, that God makes. Welcome in, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, welcome into the kingdom, faithful servant, you know. So one comes in and the other one doesn't. And so a lot of religious people are not, they don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know the Lord. And and that's very uh, a dangerous place to be. And here we just read how, how bad that's going to be. And so there's other, other uh, parts where Jesus says, take them out to the outer darkness. The outer darkness is, is not heaven. It's not heaven, you know. And so, you know, it just... Uh, what what is what is the the main thing here guys is to pray stay focused and keep your eyes on the lord keep your eyes on the lord a lot of things are happening real fast they're happening so fast and, and uh you know I, I i i would imagine that we're praying for everything to get back to normal it may not i don't know it may not but but if we are in the beginning of the last days expect things to get worse but for us, we're just getting closer. We're just getting closer. So, so that, that's, you know, the message is to, to stay focused on what God is doing. No, you know, you can see all the things that are going on, but don't let that cause you to, to lose focus and sight of what God has promised, that he's coming back, that he's coming back. And, and so... We want to be about our Father's business. We don't want to be like, like the Bible says that, that we're the ones who lost the salt, that we lost our flavor. You know, and there's a lot of that going on. 
and the and the salt is also symbolizes the spirit of the Lord. We don't want to be that way. We want to have, you know, it's a continuous filling of the spirit. Uh, I pray that prayer many many times a day. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because I know that I can do nothing without the Spirit of God. And it doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter the ministry, you know. Uh, if if I, I've been teaching my grandkids uh, Bible study almost every day they're, that they're at the house. And, and we pray for the Spirit of the Lord, you know, to be filled with the Spirit. Because I know that if it's not the Spirit of God, then it's just my work. It's just the flesh. And that's what's going on with the with these five virgins, these foolish virgins, which represent the church of Laodicea. They put God out, so the Spirit is not there. So it's just their own work. It's their own understanding. It's their own ideas, you know. And so they're man-pleasers. And so we want to be God-pleasers. So I'm going to close right there, but I wanted to uh, read some verses to you that the Lord showed me to uh, kind of read them over you, like pray the word over you. And then it's a book, the book of Numbers, chapter 6. Chapter 6, uh, verses 24 to 26. So I want to pray these these verses over us, over the church, over the body, over the believers. You know, in these times of trouble, these times that are difficult, these times that could drive you to fear, you know. And so it says, The Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, and the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So I want to leave you with that because the, those verses have been ministering to me for, for these last months that we've been under this, under this situation. And so we want God's face to shine upon us. We want his countenance. You see, we're born again believers and his face could shine upon you. We're not, we're not in the time of Moses when he wanted to see God and he says, no, you can't see me. You got to get in the rock, cliff of the rock and you can see my backside. Well, in, in one sense, we can see when he puts his face upon us, we can feel his glory through the spirit of the Lord. So that, that's the, the lesson, guys. And I want to just ask the Lord to bless, your, bless you, whatever you're going through. And uh, let, me, let me pray.